touchdown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face to Grace Jamison. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, hey, welcome in. It's a victory Thursday. The Orange have won a basketball game and done so, dare I say, impressively. Very nice win for Syracuse last night against Virginia Tech. Or was it a bad win because Virginia Tech's now lost five in a row? I, I don't know. Everything is everything in the ACC these days. Lots of hoops talk on the show today. Terrence Oglesby, if you were watching the game on television, you know who he is, whether you know it or not. He was doing the color commentary last night on uh, your television that was regionally available to you, wherever that region was to you. Terrence will be here at 2.45. 3 o'clock, John Fanta. He is excited. I don't know where John is right now on earth, but I know this. Wherever he is, he is very excited about college basketball. He will bring that excitement your way coming up at 3 o'clock. I'm going to ask him this. I want to ask both of them this. Like, snap judgment, no thinking. Who's the best team in the ACC? I'm going to have to yell it like that so they answer faster. I don't know. I think I might just panic. Ah! Who? Ah! I don't know. Nobody! But it's going to be an interesting league this year, man. I don't know if it's any good. It really doesn't matter. We'll take interesting over good. It's a kooky league. The Orange and Notre Dame coming up on Saturday. Tickets to that game uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow for tickets uh, to that game. So tune in tomorrow. I will come up with a question, and you'll have to answer it. And maybe it will be hard. That's how we do that. We'll get to that tomorrow on the program with uh, tickets to the Notre Dame game. But uh, today we'll wrap up last night. We uh, will talk college basketball in general with our guest, Terrence Oglesby. And uh, John Fanta, so looking forward to be joining to them, joined by them back-to-back at 2.45 and 3 o'clock. Mm, rapid fire for like a half-hour hoops there right in the dead smack middle of the show today. So looking forward to that. Uh, we will debut a new segment, a new segment of radio at 3.30 or so here today. A new segment called No Wrong Answers, in which there there can be no wrong answers, except uh, this one's going to start with the fact that somebody else has already come up with a wrong answer, which makes the segment even better, because I've named the segment No Wrong Answers, immediately broken the rules in the first segment before you even know what the heck I'm talking about, which is why there are no wrong answers. That is at 3.30. And um, coming up in about half hour, we're going to do a, a, a segment that... Um, I don't know if it has a name. It's a one-off. The segment is that we are officially concerned about what in the hell is going on with the Syracuse football program. Nick Monroe has left. Swag is gone. Sadness is all that's left. The swag daddy has gone to the land of 10,000 swaggy lakes. Did he? Did he go home on Minnesota's plane for the bowl game? How does this work? Nick Monroe is the new co-defensive coordinator and cornerbacks coach. A title bump and a pay bump. Huh. How about that idea? We're going to commiserate about that in a little bit. The swag has been silenced, and we are all sadder for it. The whole family's going to have to get new swaggy gear with new swaggy nameplates and the whole thing. 
His son literally has a junior a, a, a jersey that says Swag Junior. He's going to have to get a Minnesota one. I mean, it's going to be a whole thing. And he's Syracuse's best recruiter. So you know that on top of it. Um, we'll, we'll be concerned about that in half an hour. We can be concerned about it in silence until then, but uh, we'll be concerned. What I'm not concerned about at all, even in the slightest, is what I saw in the Dome last night. I mean, were there, you know, obvious things to improve on? Yes, this is not a perfect basketball team. But, you know, watching the game last night in Syracuse beat Virginia Tech 82-72 to in a game that really wasn't that close in the second half. The Orange, it was kind of like the Virginia game in reverse. Did we ever think Syracuse had a chance of winning that Virginia game when they came back on Saturday? We did not. Last night, do we ever think Syracuse had a chance of losing the game as the lead dwindled a bit late from 22 down to the final margin of 10? No, we did not. First 10 minutes of the second half in many ways as well as the Orange have played all season. First half was compelling and fun. Back and forth defense, uh, semi-optional both ways, but it was kind of a fun stylistic matchup. Justin Mutz was doing his thing inside, getting the ball at the high post and picking apart the Orange since Syracuse was coming back down the other way. Justin Taylor had a great first half. Samir Torrance had that crazy three which rattled around and around and around and I have no idea how it rattled into the hoop. You know, Gerard got it going late in the first half. That was a fun first half and then Syracuse came out in the second half and just stamped the pedal down and said, bye-bye. Is it a good win? I don't know anymore. I think it's a good win over the team. Like It's a good team. It was their Presumably, or at least one of their best players out, Hunter Couture, yes. Will he likely be in when these teams play again in two and a half weeks? Yes. Will that be a very different game? Probably. But last night, the Orange took a team that won the ACC tournament last year and in the second half took him apart in their home court. That's good. Or Syracuse uh, took apart a team in the second half that has now lost five straight games. What's that? I don't know. That's the ACC this year. What is it? I don't know. We talked about it last night on postgame. This was topics one through eight last night on postgame. Malik Brown. What a week for Malik. It was a loss at Virginia on Saturday. He did not start the game, but he played the last 36 minutes, 10.8 rebounds. It wasn't lost. Like, I think we all noticed how well he played on Saturday, but the way the game happened and, you know, the comeback and then the loss, it... It kind of sunk down the list of topics. It was not like A1 front page news what he did on Saturday. Last night, Malik again did not start. But as Jim Beheim and Jim Beheim's press conferences are never like accidents. Like the dude the dude is smart. He's not an idiot. He is smart. He is aware of the words that are coming out of his mouth. He has said very specifically in each of the last two post-game press conferences, and I don't recall him saying those words at any other point about anybody else this season. I could be wrong. I just don't recall it, which is good enough for me right now. He has said R.E. Malik in the post-game press conference after each of the last two games. He played starters minutes. He played starters minutes. We did this on the show yesterday, so obviously before Malik's performance of last night, which was in starters' minutes, 34 of them off the bench, 11 points on 5 of 7 shooting, 12 rebounds. The guy that did start, Benny Williams, 8 minutes, 1 point, and a couple of rebounds. 
and uh, one tantrum. But Jim has said he played starters minutes, and that is what's important. And, you know, we'll, we'll hear a little bit from Jim in a bit, and he detailed, you know, why. I think it's obvious to all of us. It's not a secret but why he's been getting those minutes of late and what he's brought to the table. But it comes to the point, okay, so why why is the guy that playing starters minutes not starting? You could easily make that change. I, th- I think a lot of coaches in the country would make that change and would now make Malik Brown the starting lineup. I do not think that is what Coach Beheim is going to do, and I also agree with him because you're trying to finesse this thing. And the, the finesse has nothing to do with Malik, but I think you know he says Malik plays starters minutes. That's what he cares about. And he can care about that without starting. So that's good. Like, if you can bring Malik off the bench and play him 30 minutes a game the way he's currently playing, great. Great. It's on the court at the end of the game. Now, you don't want to start as raggedly as uh, Syracuse has done uh, some games, not really last night, but some games of late. Uh, But this is more a Benny Williams question, and my goodness, have we had enough Benny Williams questions this year and last. But uh, once again, unfortunately, that's that's what this becomes. As much as we like to celebrate Malik and he played great last night, the the whole thing, again, becomes a referendum on the life and times of one Benny Williams. Who is just, unfortunately, not doing what is expected of him on the court right now. Which leads to Malik. The good news is Malik is doing what is expected of him. Now, the same thing is being expected of both when they're on the court. Rebound the basketball, play some defense, score the easy ones. Whatever else comes after it, then we'll move to that. Benny's kind of moved to the other parts before taking care of the first. That's been a tale as old as time now. Malik stands near the basket and does the stuff that happens near the basket, where the basketball is, and the points are, and the rebounds are, and you know the important stuff. And he's doing it well as a freshman. Now, does he have... Not to say he's a schlub. I mean, the dude, uh, look at him. Like He's clearly a, a high-level Division One basketball player. But does he have the athletic gifts of Benny? No. Few do. But athletic gifts are not the be-all, end-all, start and finish of what makes a high-level Division One college basketball player. And I, I think where the team is right now, I think Coach Beheim is going to continue starting Benny. It was notable that Malik Brown was on the court to start the second half instead of Benny. That was notable, I thought, because we've all watched a lot of Syracuse basketball over the years. Coach Beheim does not change the starting lineup often, and when he does, it is not. You know, there's some coaches that, you know, you can get through 15 games of the season if they're still trying to figure out what fits best for the team. You get through 15 games like 10 different starting lineups. Some coaches do that, and that's just how they go. Like Felicia Leggett Jack on the women's side of things, it's not that dramatic. She changes the starting lineup, but you know, a, a decent amount. She's made changes, and you know, figuring it out and whatever. I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to do it. It's just one way or the other. Jim Beheim, like when he changes the starting lineup for reasons other than injury, obviously at Virginia, Benny was six, so it was changed that game. When coach changes the starting lineup for reasons other than injury, it stays changed. It's not, well, we'll test it out for one, and then we'll go back to the other. No. It stays changed. And usually that applies to the second half. Obviously, it's not literally every game ever, but it, it has to be high 90% of games that Coach Payheim has ever coached. I say without looking it up and without any need to look it up. 
it's got to be a very high 90% that the players that started the first half of the game, barring injury, are on the court to start the second half of the game. Now, there have been a plenty of players over the years that are on the court to start the game, and they're on the court to start the second half that may not even be on the court by the time we get the first time out of the first or second half. And I wonder if that's where we're trending this year, that Benny will start. And we shall see in the opening few minutes what Benny's got. And then here comes Malik. And it's going to happen sooner and sooner every game. I don't know. It can't really happen that much sooner than it's happened here uh, last night. Malik played 34 minutes. But we are, we are trending earlier and earlier in the game. Because I think Coach Beheim knows this. I, I think you are at risk of losing Benny if he is relegated to a bench player. Now, maybe that is something that, you know, some players, okay, you're benched and, oh, I was refocused and, you know, ready to come off and prove something. Maybe. I, I think Benny's one where you're keeping them in the starting lineup and hope you get something. And if it's not there that day, here's Malik. Roll them. And rolling with him has been working out for the last week or so for the Arch. And, you know, we, we saw glimpses earlier in the year. He's getting better and better. But he's he's committed to what he's good at. He's good at rebounding. He's nimble near the basket. He has a keen sense of what needs to happen in that, you know, five, ten foot radius of the hoop of where to go, how to rebound, how to pass out of trouble if you need, how to score in tight quarters. That's not as easy as it looks. Oh, well, tall guy near the basket. Yeah, the ball goes in. No. It's not like that. So if last night I don't think last night was the passing of the torch in the starting lineup, but I think the torch has been passed, at least for now, as far as allocation of minutes at the four for Syracuse. And it was done. And this is why I think it certainly. It was done in their most impressive effort of the season. The parts fit better last night. Hand in glove. We're starting, I, I think the parts, and it's taken a while, Young team, I know, I get it. People are sick of that. It's taken a while this year to sort it out. I, I think we're at the point now, okay, Gerard's lead dog. Judah is a strong number two or 1A. Jesse Zabstri. Now here comes Malik. He's got. He's going to do, he's kind of your junk man, do it all for, and then Bell and Taylor on any given game, depending how it goes, are, they're going to, you know, figure out who's in the right spot at the three. Those two combined for 16 points last night. That's not nothing. That's not lost. That is uh, that is a more than a nothing amount. Earlier in the season, the, the three spot was a black hole. Now, okay, you know, I've yammered out about the rebounds all year out of that spot. Last night, okay, those two at small forward only had three rebounds, which still isn't a ton for small forward. But I'm more inclined to accept that when 16 points are on the board. That is a, that is a better trade than we were getting earlier in the season. Again, what does it all mean in the ACC? I haven't the foggiest this year because this league, I don't know. I have no idea, and I don't know if we're ever going to know. But last night, the Orange went out there against a team that we think is probably good and put together their most complete performance of the season, and that, is cause for celebration around here right now. Let's take a break here on the show. Uh, we'll get into cause for not celebration with Syracuse football in a few minutes. We'll be talking to Terrence Oglesby, 
and John Fanta about all things college basketball coming up at 2.45 and 3 o'clock, respectively. Immediately next, a little bit from the Hall of Famer after the game. Last night, glad to have you here. It is the 315 in the Cuse, Utica, Rome, wherever you may be, on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. You know, sometimes you just can't plan stuff out even better than it happens. As we've talked about many times on this show, like the bump music is in a rotation. I never have any idea what song's coming up next. But if you were listening at the end of the last hour where they uh, pick the artist of the day for the next day, Ed Sheeran was one of the options for um, Orange Nation for tomorrow. They went with Johnny Cash. Like, not that uh, Johnny Cash and Eric Clapton were the other two choices. Obviously, all great options. I feel Ed Sheeran was immediately poo-pooed. Ed Sheeran has bangers, people. Bangers. This guy's like the most popular artist of the last 10 years or something close. It's wild. Anyway, you know, it's has bangers. Hall of Famer Jim Beheim's post-game press conferences. You going to miss that? No, I dare say. That's why we bring it to you live after the home games on our post-game show, which we did last night. Jim was spicy last night. Yeah, he was a little spicy after the win. Let's see if we can't get a little... Uh, Get a little Jim Beheim in our lives. It's time to spin the wheel. Let's spin the wheel of Beheim. All right, uh, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning, we're spinning. Where there should we land? Where should we land? You know, it's the topic of the day. It's the topic of the day. The topic of the day is the power forward spot. You know, he's playing starters minutes both games. It, it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who's playing and who's, you know... He stays around the basket. That's that's what he does, and that's where the ball is, and that's where you get some rebounds. Benny wants to play out 15 to 18 feet, and there's no rebounds out there. And you know, Malik is doing what we need him to do. Uh, yeah, the rebounds are nearer to the basket. It's not breaking news, but it feels like it is uh, some of these times. So, you know, Benny, uh, we had uh, a lot of people that were at the game last night. We always get calls from Pat and Vito and courtside seats for those two last night. Mm. Swaggy indeed. But anybody in our chat last night in Q Sports Talk, you couldn't really see it happening on television, but I feel anyone that was at the game that was looking toward the bench during the timeout with about six minutes ago could see Benny getting frustrated. Uh, here is Coach Beheim on why, and again, Benny was sick last game, and you know, 100% or not, I don't know. It's impossible to judge on something like that, nor should we bother. Uh, but here is Beheim on Benny last night. You earn your minutes. If somebody plays well, they're going to play more minutes. That's the way it works. He's had uh, he had, He's been sick. He's a little weak, but he had a really good day of practice. First day back, looked really good, but he's focused on shooting jump shots and he's not a good enough shooter to shoot a lot of jump shots and he, we need him to rebound and uh, play defense and he's capable of doing that um, 
and he has to do that for us to be successful. Yeah, that's a fact. And it'll be interesting going forward because Malik Brown, you know, regardless of if Benny is playing well or not, Malik Brown has earned minutes. Like, he needs to play. And at last check, the rules dictate that you get five, and you don't get six, and you don't get four. Malik and Benny play the same position, in theory. Now, could you have a situation? We saw it very briefly last night, and it was right around Benny's blow up on the bench. I don't know what precipitated it, but Benny was in at the three, and Malik was in at the four at that time. Or if they're both in the game, there's not really a difference. On offense, a little difference. On defense, uh, zero, zilch, none. In the zone. You're playing forward in the zone. It just happens to, are you on the left or are you on the right? So there are scenarios, and we, you know, it blends into Justin Taylor, Chris Bell. We've been gnashing our teeth about the small forward spot all season. But the combined play of that spot has improved recently with Taylor and Bell. Last night, they combined for 16 points. So if Malik has earned minutes, they're coming from somewhere. It must subtract from somewhere. If you consider the lump sum of Bell and Taylor like one guy, and let's do that just for the sake of math, you know, for the most part, Bell and Taylor recently have been playing 40. And Benny and Malik have been playing 40. Well, now if Malik needs to get 25 or 30, well, does that mean Benny's down to 10 or less than 10? Or do you take the 40 and subtract it from the small forward spot and get Benny some minutes there? That, I think, is the next step of the potential evolution of this year's team. Because, you know, there there is a basketball player inside Benny Williams that is still there to be salvaged. You can see it. He is athletic as all get out. And you've had moments. It's not that long ago. He was the best player out there in the second half against Boston College. He was the reason they won that game as comfortably as they did. That was not very long ago. It was two weeks ago. And that has vanished since then for who knows why. It doesn't matter why. But, you know, which way can you get it back? Like, you're set in the backcourt now. And you have been all year. But it feels like it's set more in a hierarchical way now than maybe it was preseason. You got Judah and Joe. They're going to go do their thing. Samir, I thought, played very well uh, in his role out there in the first half. The defense had been a little wobbly. I think he came in and stabilized it for a few minutes and, you know, steadied things just at kind of the right point of the game. So you kind of know what you got there. You know, Jesse's playing your center, and you, you know your backup is Munir, and it's now just figuring out how the puzzle pieces fit at forward, and the increased and improved play of Malik Brown here is making that calculus just a little bit different. Uh, going forward. All right, let's hit a break. When we come back, Syracuse football. Time to panic? Maybe. I wasn't really all that concerned about any of the stuff that had happened until the offseason up until mm, like 45 minutes ago. Now, concern. We'll tell you about it next year. It's QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across CNY, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am. Rolling along. You know, I didn't really think I was going to be talking Syracuse football today. Uh, Yesterday, there was uh, a bit of peculiarness for the last couple days. Uh, 
shortest portal stay ever without going anywhere for Damian Alford? Uh, zero clue what that was all about. Alford went into the portal, like took a took a little looky loo, and then came right back out. Like I don't I don't know what that could be about. Um, I, I know this: uh, Damian is Canadian, so the only NIL stuff you can do if you are Canadian uh, must occur not in the United States due to uh, visas and whatnot. So it would be very tricky for schools not near other countries to do anything at all re that so i don't know if that would have been a main reason he, he portaled it up but in new out of and uh alford is uh, back so that's good news I, I guess for the arts that was just peculiar and you know that was just uh eh, whatever that's kind of funny little silly peculiar nonsense and then uh today there's just now too much nonsense and we've gone through the whole offseason arts football all right tony white leaves that's that was, I think, you know, whether you wanted it or not, obviously everyone, I think, would have preferred him to stay. But, like, if you don't get that, I don't got anything for you. All right, Robert and I leaves. And then the contract details come out at NC State. Like, huh, that's, a, that's a pretty good-looking contract. And now Brennan Armstrong's his quarterback there. Like, okay. I, I If you don't get that, okay. And, you know, people going to the portal. Initially, all right, Deuce and Jihad leaves. Well, that kind of stinks. But, you know, Ohio State and LSU, all right, good for you guys. How about that? Yeah, the other guys leave, and they're trickling to lower destinations, and some guys went to the draft, and it's the guys you'd expect. So I'd say for the most part, up until less than an hour ago, this offseason was going about as expected, give or take. Like, nothing that crazy happened. And today, what happened? Well, in the face of it, nothing that crazy happened. An assistant coach is left for another job. Is that crazy? But the assistant coach that left for the other job was a guy that has now worked with your head coach for the last nine years, including his previous stop, that has clearly been very loyal when, you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I would be stunned if he had not had pretty good offers before now for other jobs due to his recruiting acumen and specifically his recruiting acumen in the state of Florida. Assistant coach leaves? Yeah, happens all the time. But then this assistant coach, who was your interim defensive coordinator for the bowl game, not only leaves, but now he leaves and goes to the team you just played in the bowl game. Okay, it's just too much now. Nick Monroe, a.k.a. the swag daddy, has taken his swag. Has taken swag junior. That's his, his son. And they are headed to the swaggy lands of the 10,000 swaggy lakes to row the boat in the swaggiest way possible up at Minnesota. Good for Nick. We all like Nick. I've said this when, you know, he got the job and then didn't get the job in Rocky Long. Again, that all kind of made sense. I just had assumed by now. And I don't know what's happened behind the scenes, but I, I am stunned because this is clearly what happened given his job title and money that the Big Ten has available, I am stunned that given the events of the last month that Nick Monroe, who has been loyal to his head coach, Dino Babers, for the last nine years at multiple stops, did not already have a new title and contract. You would have th thought 
given his loyalty to the area and Nick's a central New York guy. He coached at Colgate going way back. You know, his kids are the age. They're growing up here. The whole thing. He's been here for a very long time. Now, obviously, you're not when your head coach has presumably two years left on his contract, are you, you going to do a defensive coordinator and waiting contract for like three or four years from now? Uh, no, that'd be silly. But, you know, I, I don't care. It's very easy to make up a uh, a new job title. Uh, I'm the secondary coach and associate head coach of the swaggiest swag. I don't care. You don't have to make up a title that exists or actually means anything. It's a new title and a raise. Maybe it was offered, maybe it wasn't. Clearly, whatever Minnesota did trumped whatever Syracuse did because he's now the associate or assistant or whatever they're calling it, defensive coordinator at Minnesota and quarterbacks coach. When he has shown loyalty to here and now is gone. That's a, and talk about all of this, about the individual guys lost and all that, Nick's a big loss because he was the main Florida recruiter on this team. In related news, it is very important to recruit Florida if you are Syracuse. So, I don't know if this is a situation where blame needs to be laid, this, that, or the other thing. If you do need to consider the idea uh, that your head coach, uh, albeit not immediately, is dangling a bit as a lame duck with a year or two, whatever it may be, remaining on his contract, without both coordinators gone, with your lead recruiter gone, all in the same offseason, a season in which you started 6-0, and and there was happy fun time vibes around the program? Not now, not today. Not today. All the rest of it I could file under. All right. You know, that's what happens. You prefer some of it not to happen, but, you know, it's fine. This this is what happens. This is the normal course of doing business. And on any other day, an assistant coach leaving for another job in college football is the normal course of doing business. But not today. Not on this day. With Nick Monroe, the swaggiest of swag daddies, leaving from a situation that feels like it's on shakier ground than it felt like an hour ago. Going to a place that, uh, despite all the water, is on very stable ground. P.J. Fleck has signed extension after extension. He's got a contract in a God knows when. I mean, it's like the next century. But they're going to be doing some swaggy, swaggy, swagalicious boat rowing up in the land of 10,000 lakes going forward. Uh, Nick, you'll be missed. He was, uh, you know, part of it, he was always friendly and very personable to all, you know, around. He was always willing to chat and say hi and the whole thing, and that's great. But he was clearly a very important cog to what Dino did here. You know, coaching for sure, but getting dudes. And getting dudes from Florida. And if you want to win in the ACC, if you're Syracuse, you need dudes from Florida. So that that is going to become a very immediate task now for Dino Babers to hire a new assistant coach that he knows that can get dudes from Florida. That's an important next step. But uh, Nick Monroe... The uh, one-game interim defensive coordinator for the Syracuse Orange. Onward and upward to Minnesota in the Big Ten. With that, we take a break. Back to basketball when we come back. Terrence Oglesby, he was in the Dome last night. I think he's at a bus stop right now getting his kids. But uh, he'll be talking to us when we come back. Terrence Oglesby, the basketball analyst. He does the Field of 68 podcast. He's all over the place. We like Terrence. He'll join us next. John Fanta talking hoops right after that as well. Back-to-back hoops convos coming up next year. It is the 315 on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.